Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, it's great to be here this morning. Um, Hopefully you guys are still awake. Um, If not, you'll probably be asleep in a few minutes. Um, that's, <laughs> no, just kidding. No, it's been a crazy, crazy week. I, I think I finally put the finishing touch on this sermon about 2.30, so if my voice goes out, that's probably why I've been battling allergies. So that's my excuse before I get through it. Um, anyways, no, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a crazy, crazy good week. Been serving a lot. We've been doctoring, like Ty said, a ton of cattle and uh, also uh, been just helping, uh, I call him Three Finger Joe. But uh, he cut his finger off last week, so I've been helping him with some fin stuff. But uh, no, it's been crazy, crazy warm this week. As you guys know, summer finally made an appearance this year. Um, I know you guys are already tired of it and ready for fall. Um, I already heard some complaints about the heat. But uh, now it's going to sound kind of crazy, but I mean, this week has been brutal. Just all day out in it, just hot all day. Just going through lots of water, sweat rolling everywhere. I mean, places that shouldn't be rolling. Um, like, no, you like to imagine that, uh, but <laughs> I'm telling you, I, 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 I'm trying to like stress how awful it was and how hot it was without getting too bad. So just use your imagination, um, or don't anyways. <laughs> now we've been in Bennett most of the week with Joe helping and, and I can't, I can't help but think about gas stations and you're probably wondering why I'm thinking about gas stations, but I, I kid you not. And, and I know this is going to sound bad if I get some pitchforks and torches around here, but Texas has their gas stations figured out. All right. I've been waiting to see a good gas station up here for a long time. And I finally found one in Bennett, Colorado. And this, it, this is my advertisement for them. So if you, if the owner of that quick trip knows or is watching, um, I'd like to be sponsored. Um, anyways, I ain't kidding. Anytime I got to go to town, like I'm on a quick trip because that place is awesome. They had like nine or 10 different types of teas in there. You know, every time I'd go in there, I'd get a cup and then I'd get a bigger cup the next time. I'd get an even bigger cup the next time. I, my pickups like littered with quick trip deals, quick trip cups. But anyways, anytime you go in there, they have like a whole wall of beef jerky, all kinds of things like that. You get up to the register. Everybody's asking how you are. How's your day going? I look like you know, death warmed over with all the dust. People who saw me Thursday thinks I haven't probably thought I hadn't took a shower in a month, which I hadn't. Um, but no, but, but just a really long days, but I tell you what, going into quick trip kind of actually changed my whole mood at the end of the day. I was tired and sore and ready to go home and go to sleep. But by the time I left quick trip, I was ready to go back and work on some fence, but, uh, no, just crazy, crazy cool. Um, you know, I, I know you guys think I'm probably crazy for talking about gas stations, but you know, I think, uh, I also think of like down in Texas, another one like Bucky's. You guys have probably heard of Bucky's. Uh, oh yeah, you guys know what Bucky's are. There's one Bucky's that has 120 gas pumps. 120 gas pumps. That's for you people who park at the pump and walk in, all right? <laughs> yeah, that's my whole sermon. I'm done for the day. Okay, don't park at the pump, especially the diesel one. Yeah, <laughs> okay? Yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Bucky's are pretty good. Or Allsup's. You ever been in an Allsup's? Uh-huh. You go in there and get you a, a, a chimichanga or a crispito or a jalapeno corn dog. Yeah, those are the things. You go in there and you just smell the fried grease. 
you know. And then you walk back out and you smell for fried grease for about five weeks. Um, gets in your hair, you can't wash it out. But that's the thing about all stills. So that's just that's how you know an all stills person, you know. <laughs> but that's what I think. I got to thinking about a lot of things about this this week. You know, another thing that we kind of think about is great, or I can think about is going to like amusement parks whenever you're a kid. You know, we went. To, my dad and my mom. Uh, they took us kids to Silver Dollar City in Missouri. Now, I hate to admit, admit it because it's in Missouri. Sorry, Blake. Uh, but that might be the best amusement park we've ever been to. Or maybe I was just little and just thought it was so great. I don't know. But I think, you know, anytime I smell like fresh pavement, you know, uh, in, uh, in parking lots, I think of Silver Dollar City. It just takes me back to when I was a kid, just one of those smells. You know, you remember smells of great times whenever you were a kid. Like, that's kind of one of the things I remember about. And, like, obviously being in, like, in a big jungle gym, and I don't know how they didn't have waivers back then, probably because people weren't insane and overprotective. But anyways, they had, like, big jungle gyms with water spouts on them, and you're, like, shooting other kids in the face with these water cannons from the other side, and everybody's having a great time. And, and, and they kind of got me to thinking that uh, all these things are great, and, and even at one point in time we probably think of them as almost out of this world out of this world great. And, and, I kinda, and it kind of got me to thinking that's kind of how God talks and, and probably feels about us after we leave earth and get to heaven. We think a lot of these things and we're on this, on this earth and they're so great that we almost don't want to leave. I know I, know I, talk, I talk to a lot of people that say they don't want to go to heaven because they haven't done certain things in life. And, and it kind of got me to thinking that I was reading through First Peter something that I read, and I'll just I'll just read it right now. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to First Peter two, and I'm just going to read. But uh, just starting off in verse eight, it says they stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the faith that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, you are a royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of the darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, and now you received all of God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners of this earth, temporary residents and foreigners of this earth, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls, to be careful to live properly among your unbelieving friends and neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Think about that. We're called to be out of this world. We're only foreigners here. This world is temporary. We're not here forever. I know in Isaiah, it's kind of depressing when you talk about it, when you, when you read it. Isaiah 40, but, but it talks about how we're just a flower in a season. We grow, we wither away, and then we blow away. Seems kind of depressing, right? But I think that's the kind of the picture that sometimes we need to hear is that we're not here forever. We're not. We're literally foreigners on this earth. So if I was to drop you off in a foreign country that you have no idea of their culture and no idea of their language, you wouldn't understand anything, right? That's what it's talking about in First Peter, that it's okay to not understand the way this world is coming to, but it, but it doesn't mean that you don't do anything about it. This kind of reminds me of a time when I was, we were at SeaWorld. Um, we took a few family vacations as kids. Uh, I was also a kid in this story as well. But uh, I, I kid you not, every single vacation we went on, I literally got sick and just threw up everywhere. I, I think my parents were really resentful of me. Um, <laughs> but this one time we were at San Antonio. We were fixing to go to SeaWorld. And the line is like four miles long, middle of summer. Um, and I just... 
decided to get sick in the rental car. Um, anyways, we're in line for four miles. There's people in front of us, people behind us honking their horns. And I just opened my door and started throwing up everywhere. My parents are trying to pull off to the side, but we're already in a turn lane. So, you know, people behind us are laughing. And these, these guys behind us, and they weren't from our country, I don't think. I don't, maybe that's bad to say. But they were in a brand-new Corvette, brand-new Corvette. And <laughs> they were laughing at me because I was puking my guts up. Then all of a sudden, they got to the puke, and they had to hop the curb to drive around the puke. <laughs> so the joke was on them. Uh, no, but just like they didn't understand what I was going through, you know, I think we kind of have the same, the same thing, and, 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 and that's kind of the point I want to make is, is living in this life doesn't matter near as much as it does living for the next. We are to be out of this world. And I love how Peter puts it, that, that we should be maturing as believers. And I think that we will know that we're maturing as believers when we view the next world as more important than the one we're in. We'll be maturing as Christians when we view the next world as more important than the one we're in because we're not here forever. We're not. Just like that flower. This includes the way we treat people. I'll get to that in a minute, but the way we treat people, you know, it means everything as Christians. You know, we, that's one of God's greatest commands. Is one of Jesus' last commands was to love him and love other people, right? But in order to know where we're going, we have to remember where we came from and why it wasn't okay to stay, stay where we were, right? And, and I say that because most of the time when somebody came to, when we all came to Christ, it was probably because we were in need of a Savior, right? We were, we were in a time in our life where things weren't going real good and we needed something to change, and we reached out to God. Even the people that don't believe in God cry out to Him sometimes. I promise. And we were all the same way when we became Christians, right? We needed a Savior. But I think... One of the things that happens as we come to God, and yeah, we're saved, and we are saved. When we come to God and give our life to Him, we're in heaven. That's it. Our Bible says that. But at the same time, we soon forget what He's actually done for us. When that, se- when that season's over with, and that hard time's over with, we forget what He's actually done for us. Right? We forget His grace. Oops, it's on. Sorry. I've switched it off on accident. Uh, when we start to forget what God actually has done for us, it's easy to get in those situations, you know, where we cry to God and, and, we're, and we're with Him. We're walking step by step the time with Him. Like, did you catch that? All the time for two weeks? All of a sudden, stuff gets better and we go back to the exact same person we were before. I know whenever I, you know, I, I kind of went through a bunch of stuff you know, in college. And <laughs> it's pretty, pretty funny to laugh at now, but not really then. Uh, I was preaching lots of stuff and living really hypocritical at the same time. Uh, but I was just an angry Christian, really. I was angry at people. I was using my Bible just to beat people over the head just because I thought they were wrong and I needed to be right about something. I'd forgotten what God had actually done in my life. At one point in time, he literally saved my life. And I was so gracious and so kind to other people. And then after a few bad eggs, I started turning all that into anger. I started taking it out on people. And that actually started pushing, pushing people further away from God than actually towards Him. But I think we forget. We forget about what God's done for us. And if we're supposed to be people out of this world, then why aren't we treating people better? Why have we forgotten? Have we forgotten all the grace accompanied with the gentleness that God once gave us? Gentleness. Humbleness. We forget about it pretty soon. We forget about it whenever our anger gets tested or things get triggered inside of us, right? And then all of a sudden it gets a bad rap on Christianity. I've been there. This, is, this isn't a sermon for anybody else but myself, right? 
Have we forgotten? It's so easy to become where we came from. And, and I've... And just as Kevin says all the time, we're supposed to be better than everybody else. You're dang right we're supposed to be better than everybody else. And we're supposed to be different in all of our actions. And, and you know, before I go into this next point, I want to give some precursors. Um, I'm going to read some pretty st- alarming statistics about Christianity. But I want to give some precursors that this isn't for anybody. This is just to help prove a point of where we are as a church body. Not just here to Save the Cowboys. Save the Cowboys might not even be, exclu- be a, a part of this sermon. Maybe it's for somebody online. Because I think a lot of people, I'm preaching to the choir here. But just some precursors with these statistics. I'm not trying to point anybody out. I'm not trying to belittle anybody or do anything like that. I'm just trying to give some statistics, okay? So, according to a few studies, one being by Baylor University, which has a big Christian following and and is kind of considered a Christian university, the divorce rate among Christians is 51%. 51%. Now, again, I'm not calling anybody out on that. This is just a t- statistic between on Christians and Christianity. We're supposed to be out of this world. The divorce rate among Christians is 51%, while secular marriages are around 50 to 51% themselves. They're almost a whole percent lower than Christianity divorces. We're supposed to be out of this world. Out of some studies that I've read whenever it comes to kids, and I fall into this category, all right? Out of a few studies I've read, 70 to 80% of kids leave the Christian faith after they leave their parents' roof. And, and this is an article I read by Nick Blevins, and he has some research in here, and I'll, I'll, I'll source it all out. But most people, and this is a quote from Nick Blevins, most people who have served in children's ministry or student ministry contexts uh, have heard various statistics about youth leaving the church after they've graduated high school. 70 to 80% is generally the estimate you hear, and my personal experience growing up in church backed up those numbers as about four to five students I grew up with were not involved after we graduated. Along with those statistics is a study done by a group called Barna Group and their book called You Lost Me. This study is out of 100 kids that grew up in the church, quote-unquote. And I know it's 100 kids. It can differ probably between another 100 kids, but this is just between 100 kids. Here's some statistics. One out of nine, so 11%, lose faith in Christianity, 10 to 11%. One out of nine lose total faith in Christianity. Four out of ten kids, 40%, leave the church but still call themselves Christians. That's the statistic I fell into. Ten, two out of ten people, two out of ten kids, 20%, disconnect from the church and express frustration about church culture and disconnects with society. Three out of ten, so 30%, actually stay involved in church. That's it. 30 out of 100 kids. Stay involved in church after they left their parents' roof. I was one of them. I, I, I fall into two of those categories. And here's some of the top five reasons those kids left the church. One, the number one reason is moving to college. Number one reason is they moved to college and things change. Number two, the biggest reason, is church members seems judgmental or hypocritical. Number three, I didn't feel connected to people at my church. Number four, I disagree with the church's stance on political and social issues. And number five, they just had work at the same time as church. I could go into a lot of those different points and go down rabbit. I think you all get the gist. I think you do. When we get to preaching on, so, on certain things, I think we lose connection, especially politics. I don't know how many times people come to Ty and Kevin and I and tell us that we need to be preaching more right-wing Christianity. 
I think it's funny how they say that, right-wing Christianity, because right-wing comes before Christianity, and exactly how they say it. Right? Or we should be preaching more left-wing stuff. I've actually had some people come up and tell me that, believe it or not. But that's the thing, guys. When it comes to all this stuff, whether it's political parties or whether it's just somebody that thinks differently than us, we get unchristian pretty quick because a lot of times we think that uh, disagreement means that they're mad at us and that we need to fight. When that's not really the case. A lot of times I think we lose our Christianity whenever that happens and, and we start to just kind of bully people into the way that we think. We start preaching more things politically and more things about our opinions than we do God's Word. We don't remember where we came from. Lots of us have been taught that Christianity is a belief system more than it's a relationship, and I followed into that category as well, and that's why I left the church whenever I got out of high school, when I left my parents' house. Now, graciously, I... By the grace of God, literally by the grace of God, all, out of all the stupid things that I've done in life, he's brought me back to this place. I could have easily been another one of those statistics. It's not anybody's fault. I'm not here to bash parents or anything like that. I know it's hard. These are just the statistics. We're supposed to be out of this world. I don't know where I don't know where your mind is going with this. Maybe God's telling you something. Maybe God's reassuring you about something just from the statistics that I read. I want you to be the judge of that because I'm not going to get into that and tell you what you should and shouldn't do because obviously I'm not married and I don't have kids. So I can only tell you what these statistics say and what the Bible says. That's it. We're supposed to be different out of this world. And I love I love First Peter. I, you know, I've read this book quite a few times and after this last week's been amazing how God has just revealed so many things to me that I'd never seen before. Just the way he sets it up. He talks about living as foreigners on this earth. We're foreigners. We're exiles. We're exiles on this earth. We're not supposed to be here. We're only here for a temporary time, right? And then he goes right into slaves obeying their masters. Literally, right after exiles. And right after slaves, he goes into uh, wives submitting to their, or uh, respecting their husbands and husbands loving their wives. That's literally, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. This is how it literally goes in the Bible as Peter's writing it. This is the priority list. And then Peter, if you're not married, these statistics may not matter to you. If you don't have kids, maybe the statistics don't matter to you. Maybe all that stuff doesn't matter to you, but this one does. The next thing that Peter writes about, after he gets through stressing all the importance about it, he has a message for all Christians. And I'm just going to read because I know this is probably a cardinal sin when it comes to preaching. Some preachers say that you're not supposed to read directly from the Bible for a little time or whatever, but I can't say it any better than what Peter has, so I'm just going to read it. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing when you do it. For the scriptures say, for scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life, see the many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace 
and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do it right, who, those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. The Lord turns his, turns his face to those who do evil. And he turns away because a lot of times we aren't acting like his followers. Right? I can think back on a lot of my times and my struggles. I think I, I used to say that God was really testing me in reality. It was just the consequences of my own stupid actions. Right? God wasn't punishing me. It was my own consequences acting up. Then he continues. The next passage is called Living for God. And I'm just going to read it. So then, Christ, so then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer as well. For you have, if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished, this, finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You'll be anxious to do what God's word says. The will of God is just simply what his word says, right? If you're, if you're having trouble finding the, the will for your life, 90% of God's will for your life is just what his word says. That's just it. I just wanted to clarify on his will. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality, their lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you longer plunge, no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do, so they might slander you. But remember that God will have, have to face, but remember they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they are destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of mess-ups and sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or place to stay. God has given each one of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. If you want more information on that, read Romans 12. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you'll do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory, power to him forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because of his name, because of the name of, because you bear the name of Christ, so if you call yourself a Christian, if you're insulted because you're called a Christian, you'll be blessed. For the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. Beautiful passage. You might suffer for a minute, but it's better to suffer for a minute than it is for a lifetime, or for an eternity. Not a lifetime, an eternity. I saw an illustration by Francis Chan where he's obviously in a big mega church, but he has a big rope wrapped all around his congregation. A big, I don't know where he got it from, big rope, I don't know where. Anyways, he has it all the way up on stage and he has a little piece of tape around this rope and he says, that's your life compared to eternity. That much. We're not here forever. We're exiles, we're foreigners. It's okay if you don't understand what the world's coming to. 
But just remember that the world changes when you change your own self, not everybody else. we got to look at ourselves, guys. We are called to be better. We are called to think of the next world. Don't forget where you came from. All right? If you guys, I don't know, I was, I was debating on saying this or not, but if you guys need counseling or, or anything like that, and I don't even call it counseling. I'm going to call, stop calling it counseling because I'm not going to tell you what to do. The only thing that I could do is lead you to God, lead you to Jesus. If, if you need prayer or something, get with us after church, or we'll set up a time this week and I'll get with you, or Ty will get with you, or Kevin will get with you. One of us will get with you, but we care enough. It's not just about saving the cowboy, it's about God. We want to spread the love of God through everything that we're doing. We don't care about political parties. We don't care about anything else like that. We just want to spread the love of God. All right? I don't know if it was Eleanor Roosevelt that said that, but the world changes whenever we change our homes. It starts at home. That's the only thing we can control. The only thing we can control is ourselves. Right? Remember where you came from. Be humble. Be humble while you give grace, while you give mercy. Freely give, freely given. I think that's it. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, I thank you so much just for the opportunity to be here this morning. God, thank you so much just for all these people that are here. God, if there is somebody here that is hurting or they may have lost their way, Lord, we are so glad that they're here because you brought them here for a reason, Lord. Uh, the reason wasn't as well. I thank you so much just for grace and mercy. God, if there is somebody that's hurting right now emotionally, physically, spiritually, God, come and just wrap your loving arms around them, Lord, and just remind them, remind them, Lord, that they're loved no matter what. You may not agree with what they're doing, Lord, but you love them like you <laughs> like they're your own, because we are your own, Lord. Thank you so much for loving us unconditionally. God, you, we know you're not mad at us. We know you just have our best interest in mind, and we love you too. Thank you so much, Lord. Amen.